New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Good morning, Mr. Teacan. Morning, sir. How are you? Good. Look at you. I can see yours. I can see the hair growing out of your face. It is yeah. so crisp. Good. I'm, I'm happy that uh, you get to enjoy that experience. What's, uh, what's new in the world I, of Daryl? I can cross that off my bucket list now. Yeah. What's new in the world of Daryl? That's a good question. My son pitched for the first time. That was pretty cool. Good. So, so for the whole baseball they season, the ball though, right? Every throw? well, ideally, but no, they do not Uh-oh. breaking protocol, breaking some protocols. No, uh, you know what? It's funny. Cause the whole season we were kind of getting upset that my son wasn't pitching. And, uh, so I told my son, I said, just go ask the, the coach, what do you got to do to, what do you got to do to pitch? And he'll tell you. And so he, my son goes and asks him, and this, the, the coach sends me an email. He goes, uh, Daryl, Aiden's asking about pitching. Uh, I just want to remind you, you know, we, we haven't had him pitching because you asked us not to at the beginning of this because of COVID because you didn't watch, want him touching the ball so much. And I was like, oh, oops. I was getting so upset at him for not pitching my son. It was all my fault. So it was cool. He got to pitch. Yeah. It was great. He did a good job. That's, that's exciting stuff. Like- Exciting all, stuff. All special requests due to COVID. Make sure you write them down. Make a note. Absolutely. God. Blue Jays in the playoffs. That's good. Okay. That sounds good. The Buffalo Blue Jays are in the playoffs. Okay. And uh, I got an offer coming. Pretty good week. It was supposed to come Friday, but uh, now it's coming Tuesday. But I, I got a verbal of the terms on Friday. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I noticed that we don't do is, I guess we're all like, you know, uh, like high high secrecy here, but we don't really talk about a lot of deals. Like you and I could be talking about deals on our show that people would be like, you know, blown away by. Yeah, I think we should start off each show with a segment like boots on the ground. Like, right. w- what do we got going on, and then get into our extremely over opinionated segment. Ooh, but but <laughs> our, our overly opinionated opinions tend to be correct. So far, so far, so good. So far, so good. I mean, it's not based on rocket science. It's based on simple logic. Yeah, what we're seeing, we're, we're uh, anti-fear-mongering. So we don't listen to all the articles that are coming out trying to get people to, you know, be panicked and scared and have all that type of uh, pressure on them. They're bothering we me. look at the facts. They're bothering me. Yeah. While reading yeah. through the articles the last few days, I've been quite bothered. But hold on. What about you? I know you have a whole bunch of stuff going on. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll just take it slowly getting into this whole deal stuff. But, um, yeah, I got a hot listing in um, Davisville area. Uh, so that's uh, down on Merton Street. Lot activity. Uh, multiplex. So there's, uh, you know, high demand for it, this kind of stuff. Legal for like purpose-built fourplex. And, um, yeah, I love it. You know, 
a lot of Toronto people just just looking at it, right? So I've had interest uh, galore. Offers are next Wednesday. We'll be able to give an update uh, on the next show, but uh, looks pretty good. You know, it's a big unit, right? It's a five thousand square feet uh, square foot purpose built like apartment building, basically, right? So it's beautiful. It's beautiful a great apartment. street. I love Merton Street. Yeah. On the south side, quiet neighbors right behind. You got Mount Pleasant Cemetery right there. I super overpaid for a property further. Where is yours again? Closer to Young Street. Closer to Young Street. Super overpaid. They took the offer, and then we were like, I don't know what we can do with this. We really paid way too much for this. Yeah, it was supposed to be, but we couldn't get any neighbors. We couldn't make sense of the deal, and then we just ended Mm. up ticking off the sellers by asking for a 50% reduction of the price. <laughs> we had, we had all kinds of good reasons, but, yeah, but Merton street, the point is, is that especially where you are on Merton street, it's a really lovely part of the city yep. and it's a nice little building and it's a good entry point for someone who wants to get into being a landlord in Toronto right now. Yeah. And like at the price that we're asking, uh, it will carry itself. I think so. That, once you put some money into it, right? Once, once, well, you just you, you can put a little bit of money in here and there, and and get the rents up. You can get high rents there if you fix it up nice. It's a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. It's an expensive yeah, you area. Got, you got two vacant units, and another one that uh, the guy's ninety five years old, uh, already on the list for the long term care homes. So you can imagine he's not going to be a tenant. He's going to be there for too long. So you'll be able to get three really good market rents. Uh, out of four, which yeah. in this in Toronto is very rare. Like anybody who's buying multiplexes and stuff, even duplexes, you're always stuck with that one tenant who's been there forever and that you're never going to get rid of. Yeah. Right. Well, so but so, isn't one of the exit strategies with one of them potentially waiting him out permanently? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good it. strategy. Listen, <laughs> it works. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's the way that's the way you got to look at it. I mean, if someone said to me, you know, it's a it's not a long term plan from what you told me either. No, no. So, you know, if you've got a young couple who's making, uh, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars each, they're working, you know, maybe in the city, stuff like that, too. They've been there for a few years. You know, they may not be looking at uh, buying in that area anytime soon because of pricing and affordability and stuff like that. So they might be there for another three, four years. If you're getting below market rent, it's a tough, tough uh, pill to swallow. Well, somebody could effectively buy the thing and live in one of the units too and have it pay for itself or come damn near close and have a free place to stay in a beautiful I, I area. There's, there's a lot more people saying that than I thought there would be. For sure. Right? So, and and like 1,200 well, square foot each unit. Each two bedroom is 1,200 square feet. Yeah. You're going to get that in a condo. And if you fix the other three up nice, it'll pay for itself. Yeah. Exactly. And plus, there's plenty of room to add on to it, right? Yeah. So you got you got development uh, potential. Plus, you got the basements that are, uh, you know, high and dry, lots of lights, that kind of stuff. You can either make them two level units using the main floor because there's a there's a basement staircase, or actually have uh, some illegal uh, basement apartments uh, later on. Do people do that in Toronto? No. <laughs> There's some houses in my area, like when my wife and I go for walks, it's like, there's like seven doors on this house. How yeah. how, how can they fit that many people in? But it's crazy. One thing, one thing you got to be careful of too, and it's not um, necessarily what uh, somebody would do, 
but four units is the max for like residential mortgages and uh, the zoning and all that kind of stuff too. So if you end up, if you have zoning that, for four units, yeah. So that that obviously being a purpose built is, is okay, but um, having going in there and trying to add more units and stuff like that, you know, it might cause complications down the road when you're trying to sell or refinance or something like that too. If someone comes in and looks as it looks at it as a sixplex later on that's going to give you more problems. So I think the fourplex is the best use and, uh, you know, keeps things simple and, and everybody likes it. There's no environmentals or anything like that that you're going to need. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, what's going on in the real estate market? Like I heard prices are going down or something. Isn't that, isn't that something that somebody was saying that like prices are going down? Yeah, there's a few. You sent me something this week and uh, I found a couple this week talking about, you know, well, there's a lot of people. Moody's is saying prices are going down. Moody's, CMHC. Oh Where would Moody's get that information from, Daryl? Well, hold on. CMHC and Moody's. Like, let's make it crystal clear. It, it's it's even worse, right? There's so much money being thrown at the idea of prices going down right now. Yes, but if you if you it's read right, where did where did Moody's decide to have this opinion on our? Uh, state of the real estate market in Canada. I'm going to time out here. Tell me. CMHC. Oh. <laughs> How do you do? They cited a CMHC report in order to come up with that conclusion, that, that so, prophecy. So CMHC started at prices are going to go down 18%. Now they're at yeah. like 7, 8, 9%. But mm -hmm. hold on a sec. What I don't understand, and maybe it's just because I'm really stupid, I could see Canadian prices coming down, right? Because Canada, sure. other than a couple of cities, yeah. is, is nothing. Like in the, trouble, it, yeah, for sure. Alberta and, and any type of natural resources uh, provinces are in trouble. Are in trouble. Just anything that isn't Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal and Ottawa is basically going to probably see some dips. Maybe there's a few other ones. Some, some, some little cities or towns right now are going bananas, but... Like, how can you lump Toronto in with Regina and Halifax and, you know, whatever the hell's up in the UK, Yellowknife, Moncton, <laughs> right? Whatever. Is there anything in Nunavut? Yeah. Is there, is there towns or cities in Nunavut? Anyways, I could definitely see overall Canada's housing market going down, but... Part of the average, right? It's going to be an average is coming down. Part of the average is going to have to be some cities that don't go down. But what they were saying, though, in that report was not just uh, Canada as a whole. They were specifically talking about Toronto having an average price decrease of 7 to 8%. Yeah, Toronto and Vancouver won't be immune. Yeah. But then there's another one, two more Canadian cities with overvalued homes, and then they list four different cities, but... This is not rocket science. When you give a whole mess of people a whole bunch of free money and tell them they don't have to work, and this is a, a, a bunch of people that do not save money, mm -hmm. they're going to keep spending their money, right? And as real appraised, well, sure. What, it's not the government's money. This is our money. What are you talking about? We deserve this money, right? But... Real estate prices are still going up because people still have money. They don't really feel like they are losing their money, even if they're unemployed. So why wouldn't they keep acting like they have their money? Well, let's look at now 
so we, we kind of separated the Canadian market from the Toronto market. Let's look at the Toronto market. We also have two completely different markets that don't have any relation whatsoever. I have a very small relation, a very small overlapping segment, which is the condominium and the freehold market. The only time one affects the other is one when one gets too expensive, it pushes a, a segment of uh, a, a certain percentage of buyers into the other segment. Yeah, but it's not even that. Like, okay, it's not like people that wanted to buy condos are buying houses. I mean, some of them are, but like they still haven't released very many units to buy. The, the, the units being released, it's not like they're sitting there. And the prices are like still, if not like they're probably they're they're higher than when the pandemic started. Maybe they're down from peak numbers is like the way they say it now, right? So maybe from the middle of the pandemic when prices were the highest, or last month, last month prices were the highest, weren't they? Mm. Are you talking about pre-construction now? Well, yeah, I mean, it, I, can, I can give you. Let's give a let's give a real world example here now. But why? Uh, what are they talking about? Condos that our resales are, are not selling they're, they're selling but they're I've selling 10 percent decreases in certain condo markets in toronto um but we know why this is and, happening and, right and like 60 days daryl yeah 60 days yeah. But, but we know why it's happening there's mm -hmm. a ton of inventory all of a sudden like an yeah. abnormal amount of inventory and an abnormal amount of buyers yeah. But still balanced market, right? Like if you look at the numbers for the condo market, there's probably still the same amount of demand as there is the supply. It's not out of whack. Yep. I don't think. I haven't seen anything that tells me it's out of whack. Well, there's definitely an oversupply and uh, there's a huge lack of demand because unfortunately... So, but what happened? ...are normally going into the condo market. So... Well, we know all the the fundamentals about the immigration and students and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 not not that would happen. Like, what's the, what, what what actually happened to the prices? Where are they? The prices right now. And, and what actually happened to? Is it just the amount of time it's taking to sell one of these condos has increased? That's increased, and um, whether or not it is going to sell has increased. But what I've seen is I've seen prices that people were getting in June and July drop. 10% in certain areas of Toronto because people who are highly motivated to sell have to list their properties for sale so and take whatever price that they can possibly get. And when your neighbor lists for lower, so hold on. The best deal. When you say drop 10%, what do you mean? 10% from the unit yeah. sold two months ago for 10% more money. I've witnessed this. I, okay. This is, this is not like, you know, I heard about it. This is like, I'm actually looking at properties where I'm like, wow, this same unit sold for this price in June and July. For resale. Hmm. Right? So this is this is for sure. This is happening. Condo prices are going down. It's just, is it temporary, right? So is it is it the time to exit the condo market? I mean, we did a whole show on this last week. No, I was right? going to say, this is a good opportunity for people waiting on the sidelines to buy, right? To get into the condo market. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the time to get. Everyone's trying to get out right now, and that's crazy. If you can afford to keep your unit, get it get at least. Uh, we talked about um, a, a rental strategy for people. I gave a rental strategy to someone this week that we had spoken about before, which was to, to uh, advertise your property at a lower rental rate. And then in the brokerage remarks, let them know that that includes two months free rent. 
So therefore, the actual rental price will be, let's say, $2,000, but they'll be paying a net of $1,700 per month. Yeah. And at the end of the year, it'll go back up to 2000 and then the tenant can decide if they want to stay there or not. But at least you're not committing to that lower rent for the next 10 years if the, if the tenant decides to stay. Yeah. Right. So that was an option that we talked about. And um, what I'm what I'm thinking is and what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at as the big picture is that anybody who's exiting right now from the condo market are uh, necessity sales. That's they've they've bought already. They're, they're, they're hitting, you know, financial hardship. They have to sell. And that's why they're taking these lower prices. Sure. And so the stuff you've worked on, has it been Airbnb? Uh, in my experience, no. But I know other people who have. Yeah, mine, mine have been, uh, you know, principal residences. People are just looking to move and sell their condo. I think investors, if they got a chance to talk to me and they could afford their uh, afford their unit, I'd be able to calm them down and talk them off the ledge to say, hey, this is not the time to sell. No. Right. It was like the stock market. Remember that? Remember, it was like March 18th or something like that. I can't remember the date when everybody was selling everything in the stock market. And like a week later, it was just like it was like bouncing right back up. That's what it does. Sure. That's what I was thinking. Selling is not a good move. But that's what I was thinking this week. Like as I'm going through all the all the articles and just trying to figure things out, it's like this is a weird market. It's like Mm -hmm. it it the numbers so far show up up up, but it doesn't feel like it's just going up up up. Like it feels like weird. But I'm in I'm in a, a such a different segment than you. So like. I know your stuff has just been like on fire. Even even the realtor I'm using uh, on our land deal right now, he's like, I've never been this busy in my life. I have so many things in the pipeline or at different stages that I've never been this busy. Is that land? I guess, yeah. He's a land guy. I guess land or commercial properties. Yeah, I want to know then. Like right now you're getting uh, a lot of activity and you're talking about maybe getting an offer. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know if it's a lot of activity, but like definitely more activity. Somebody is somebody's engaged a lawyer. Like we've had all kinds of questions and we were supposed to get an offer Friday. Uh, that got bumped to Tuesday because of the Jewish holiday on Monday. But they, they gave us a little teaser about like the price and the terms. Yeah. So don't you hate that? And then it doesn't come it doesn't come in at the, the, the teaser uh, price. Oh, I think it'll come in at the teaser price. Better come in at the teaser price. Well, listen, the teaser price. The teaser price was kind of pre-negotiated as a like, if it doesn't hit this number, then we're throwing it in the garbage. Don't even bother, right? Like this is the beginning point. So we're gonna get something that both sides understand is a beginning point, and we'll see if we can get it to a place where we're both happy. Um, But they came at us with like bare minimum on the price and the longest due diligence and the longest closing. So we have a somewhere. I, listen, as long as there's something on paper, I don't care. I can try and make it work. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the sure. sec, the second piece of, of, of this property, like the second property took me like eight months to get the contract signed. So it takes a while. It's not, uh, it's not like buying a condo or buying a property where everybody in the world is like, please let me buy that thing from you. I wish yeah. it was. It's not. Well, let's, let's talk about that then. Because so right now, the resale condo market is obviously taking a hit. We know pre-construction, you, you, you put up a, a weekend ad for a sales center and you're going to be you know 70% sold out by Sunday. I don't right? know by Sunday anymore, but in a few weeks. 
people are buying people are buying pre-construction condos though like not they're not even hesitating no developers are looking at properties to build so that they can have more units uh you know over the next three to five years to to make a dent in that shortfall right so there's again we're talking about what are we invite what are we advising investor or condo owners whether you're a investor or you're using it as your uh, principal residence look what the developers are doing even they can see that the condo market is going to be healthy over the next three to five years once all those you know limiting uh, demand factors are going to return to normal yeah i mean i think a lot of the developers especially the bigger ones are, are still waiting for the next shoe to drop and to see if there's going to be better deals out there okay. a lot of them i'm sure have bought stuff closed out deals that they started i've seen a bunch of that and and like it looks like things are just starting to feel better like my financers called me last week and said okay like we're back we can help you with you know whatever you need now which before yeah. they were like uh you know maybe don't call us for a while yeah <laughs> are you getting any lottery tickets right yeah yeah so, like, I feel like things have started to open up, but then, well, you know what? That throne speech didn't hurt, I guess, either. I don't know if it helps or it hurts, but it's, they're going to keep pumping money at everybody. So, it's right? it's not going to fall apart, but the okay. furrow cliff, whatever that's going to look like, it looks like yep. they're going to allow that to happen. Although, yeah. maybe not. They seem to really just want to pump a ton of money into the sucker, which is fine. I, I feel I'm good yeah, with it. I feel like they're they're giving everybody fair warning, which is we can go into that now. Is like they're trying to make sure that everyone just be like is responsible and starts making their payments and stop getting support, like if you can't afford it, right? So they're saying things like this is what's going to happen, but they've already got some special circumstances on some of the deferrals, right? Like right now, there's still a three month deferral uh, available until September 30th if someone wants to to start it today. Um, there's a you know proposed. Uh, Canadian response benefit, recovery benefit, the CRB, yeah. right? Which would be $400 uh, instead of $500 a week. No, now right? it's so back they, to 500. Oh, they announced that now too? Yeah. So again, they're trying to, right? Make sure that they, they've got this little bit of a, a safety net for everybody, right? So <laughs> it's going to continue, right? It's going to continue. It's... They just want people to be honest and not take the, um, take the support if they don't need it. Well, and then the Bank of Canada is like buying all of the debt. So it really doesn't even mean anything. It's like, get the, they're, they're buying all the mortgages off the bank's books so that they have more room and more cash to lend out and buy more stuff with. For sure. It's beautiful. And it's just going to. And how do they sell those mortgages? They don't. <clears throat> they do. They sell them. They might the sell them later. No, no, they sell them. They sell them in the form of bonds. They're not even doing that now. The Bank of Canada is buying the bonds. They're going right to bonds. Yeah, but the, they're not buying all the bonds. They're trying to keep everybody. Uh, Five billion dollars a week domestic. is more than the bonds right they're now. Selling, they're selling those bonds, Daryl. That's how they get the, their their funding, right? So they're selling those bonds, and they're trying to keep it domestic, and they're trying to keep the money here. So they say that you know the interest is basically going back into our own economy. The government what they don't tell you is that there are a ton of international and foreign investors who are able to buy those bonds. Sure. And when they don't have anybody left to be selling them to here domestically, they will be sending them foreign. So somebody in uh, India 
could potentially own your mortgage, but it just you're getting a bill from CIBC every single month, but actually the money is indebted to somebody who owns the bonds in, as a mortgage-backed security in India. Which is what blew up the U.S. market in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. You've got, you've, got, uh, you've got to have some sort of source of revenue. I mean, the money's got to come from somewhere. The government right now, which we can kind of go back to the CMHC, why does, why does CMHC want to have this uh, huge catastrophic event put, everybody, put over everybody's heads? Is because everyone needs to feel like we're, like we're not going to be safe, like we need help. So we have no issues then with the government printing this much money, selling this much bonds, and having foreign investors buy basically Canadian people's homes. Because now the government, the Liberals, can keep their uh, keep their position and, and get reelected because they're saying, well, we had to do that. CMHC said the prices were going to go down. You guys were all going to lose everything. We did what was necessary to protect you. And that's why uh, the guy in Hong Kong now owns your house, Mr. Smith. <laughs> wow. Believe me. That is all part of it. That's all part of it, man. That is CMA, definitely CMA part of it. I would not, I would not have expected it to come out of your mouth, though. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely what's happening. Yeah. But like, well, anyways, I, I thought I I thought the government issued the bonds and the Bank of Canada bought the bonds, and that's what the five billion dollars a week of purchases that the Bank of Canada is doing is going towards. No. They're not. They're not printing money and saying that it, uh, you know, comes out of nowhere. They're printing it and selling it as bonds because they have to pay back those bonds with interest in the future. Hmm. Right. So in the future, the government's going to say, "Where do I, where do I pay that money back, or how do I pay that money back?" Right. And it comes obviously in the form of interest. But what I really like to see was that how low our. Um, Hold on. Is. Hold on. Back up. Because I'm stuck yeah. on this. Because I'm pretty sure I'm right, and I could be wrong. Okay. So, what are you saying? The process is the ba- the the C- Canadian government issues a bond, right? Yes. And you're saying it goes to who? Initially, domestic uh, investors, institutions, pension funds, as many people that they can find to buy these bonds. And so, what are you saying? The five billion dollars that the Bank of Canada is spending every week is going towards? The $5 billion is going towards bonds, but it's also going towards other parts of the uh, economy too. So just because they're uh, buying up those bonds, it doesn't mean that they're not reselling them somewhere else. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. That's the part I was missing. Okay. Okay. Continue, sir. And so they aim domestically, but eventually they're going to go... Well, these guys want to buy fifty billion dollars worth of bonds. Sure. <laughs> they're gonna be like, okay, like, let's let's sell it off. Let's sell it off. Let's go, right? So, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's good. That's part of that's part of the uh, that's part of the job. But yeah, the interest on the uh, debt servicing seems to be pretty manageable still. Maybe sure. Maybe just the way that the, the the articles that I read and the way they position it and the and the information that gets released. Yeah. Taking from Peter to pay Paul. Well, it's just a big shell game. But who cares? Like, let it keep going. Yeah. At least for another decade. Let me make some serious money so I can retire and then let, let it fall apart. I don't care. Let me ride this next decade of crazy inflation here. Mm-hmm. I, just feel like, I just feel like the government can support it. And I think that's why the, the, the message this week was, we're going to keep going. <laughs> we are going to keep going we're gonna, hard. We're going to... 
we're going to push this until until we get to that point where servicing the debt becomes a challenge. So, so you get an article that says like uh, CMHC doubles down or Moody's doubles down on their where was it? Anyway, somebody doubled down saying about how how bad it's going to be. And then the Canadian government uh, doubles down on the amount of money they're going to inject into this sucker. Great timing. Boom, let's go. Right, great timing, yeah. So so is Trudeau Trudeau a good prime minister? Well, they're calling for the the by-election. They can't, no. They got the support from, uh, what's his name? Conservatives, no? So we're going to find out if he's a good No prime election, no election. Okay. So do you know what I mean? That's the that's the thing, right? You I don't know. The guy the guy legalized weed and he's pumping all this free money into the system. How ba- who wouldn't vote for that again? <laughs> I think that uh, And he stands up to Trump. This guy's I, uh I think I think that everybody who's um, leading like uh, provinces and the country and municipalities right now looks like a hero, to be honest. Well, I don't think I, I think everybody's doing their part, and so there's plenty of support right now. I think for the governments. Isn't it weird that that lady quit last week? The uh, the head of the the medical the head of the the medical field in Toronto or Ontario. Well, what would you do? Well, imagine the pressure that you would be on under. You see how many kids are sick in the schools? No, how many? Lots. No, what, like 13? No, like 151 was the last one I read. Mm. There's a lot of kids, though. They were sick when they got there. They were sick (laughs) when they got there, yeah. Well, they're supposed to have uh, things in place to stop them from coming if they're sick first. Yeah, you sign a form in the morning, which I sign three days in advance just to make sure that I don't miss it. Now you can't drink in a bar after 11, which seems to be nonsensical to me, but I think people can get a lot of shit done before after 11, 11 right? Bad things that are going on, but <laughs> and the strip clubs too now are, are, are closed. That, that, that is a no-brainer. I mean, come on. Like, come on. What are you crazy. doing, guys? That was just, it didn't make sense at all. We've got this thing now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let all you strip club guys in on a little secret. We've got this thing called the internet. There you go. You, you don't have to go anywhere and can possibly contract COVID. There you go. This Beautiful. is, th- but it, they're, I mean, they're really trying to fight off a second closure lockdown, right? They're really I playing think, whack-a-mole is the plan. I think the numbers show um, that things are, are people are kind of getting the picture, right? Like the numbers were rising, but they've kind of settled down a little bit right now. So we're, we seem to be close to 400 uh, every day. I think people... I, I think Ontario is maybe settling down, but the numbers in Toronto, I think, are climbing. Mm. When they One break them too, down... They look at the numbers. So they look at the um, cases, the number of cases, and they, they trace them and figure out where they're coming from. And I think that was the reason the private gatherings got reduced. They closed a bunch of restaurants, like specifically, and named them in the press. Really? Yeah, for having too many cases, like traced back to them, and not wow. not following protocols. Yeah, wow. three bars on King Street, and this other one at Young and Dundas. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I think probably. The rules. Yeah. yeah, send a message. And then there was this huge party in Ottawa or Hamilton that got busted, but it was 
that the rule for the the ten thousand dollar fine wasn't passed yet, so they yeah. they only got a fine of eight hundred and fifty dollars for having a huge party. But it's Each good. Person who attended? I don't think so. I think the organizers. I would have been hopping fences. Yeah. It's the cops. <laughs> go go go. dollars. Oh no. I'm out of here. Out of here. Yeah, no, haven't been invited to a party for a long time, but that's okay. That's okay. So what else is in the news? We got the exurbs. Have you heard of the exurbs? Yeah. Yeah. We, had, we, we used to call that urban sprawl, but, uh, we used to call that, uh, what do we call that? That's the, uh, oh my God. Why am I having a brain fart? That's the, know. uh, oh my God. Anyways, you'll come up with it. So urban sprawl is when, you know, the city gets so busy and uh, overloaded that people then start pushing up prices further and further outside of the city because obviously it's not as affordable in the city. And then they bring that city mentality and say, oh, my God, look at the land. And then that's what causes these swells in these smaller towns outside the city. And prices go up and all the local goes, oh, these Toronto people, I can't believe they're moving here. They're so rude. They don't even say hi to you when they walk by. And then, uh, you know. Suburbs. Suburbs? Isn't that what they're called? The suburbs? The suburbs, yeah. Yeah, okay. That was, that, was that, that the word you were looking That for? was the word, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the article, though, they're talking Bing. about um, goes, pushes it all the way, like, past the suburbs. But why is it exurbs now? Why did it change from suburbs to exurbs? they're exiting the urban center oh the exurbs exurbs it's not a place it's a people it's a type of person oh i missed the whole thing <laughs> so oh. you're, leaving, you're leaving the city now so it used to be the city got so busy that it was causing this urban sprawl now it's this people are leaving the city causing the exact same thing so that's different than a snowbird because a snowbird still has the home here yes Exurb is somebody who's saying, I'm out of here. I'm going to greener pastures. <clears throat> I heard, like, I've heard some crazy, crazy, crazy things. Like people spending all sorts of money in small towns after getting money um, uh, from the sale of their home here in Toronto. And buying goats. Did you read that one? No, but like, but, but spending like <laughs> $2 million in places where there aren't $2 million homes. Like, what are you doing? Right? But that's. That's what they're doing. They want to be neighbors with Bieber. They want to be neighbors with, uh, you know, Billy Joe. There's a lot of places where you can buy some some pretty big houses with $2 million. Amazing, yeah. But, it, but what's also amazing is that there's places there that have houses for $2 million. It's like, what right. the fuck is going on? That wasn't a normal. That wasn't a normal thing. You'd have to get like a hundred acre farm or something like that with that. Yeah, but now now you go up to like Goreway and Twenty Seven if those even intersect. But you know, like up past Brampton or, and oh, it's like gosh. there's all these gigantic houses though for gotta be over yeah. one point five two million. Yeah, yeah, Caledon. That's that's a crazy. It's crazy. crazy and then crazy. the next one is Orangeville. That hasn't happened yet. But Caledon is like prices are. And Milton, Milton, you can't even buy like a subdivision home for probably less than one three now. Who wants to go to Milton, right? Everybody. Everybody, apparently. Everybody wants to go to Milton. So is the exurbs a thing? Is this new? Like, hasn't it just been? Listen, 
I bought my first house for 286. The same thing is worth like 1.3 million now. Like people have been moving further north and east and west forever saying, I can't afford here anymore. They're building this subdivision in the suburbs. I'm going to yeah. go move to. My parents moved to the suburbs of Millican Mills when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Right? Like It happens. But the thing is, though, Millican Mills or Pickering or, or Mississauga or whatever, you could still commute back to Toronto where your job was. Mm -hmm. Now people are saying, wait a second. My company announced that we're not going back to work. We're not going back into the office and that we've been able to restructure so that I no longer need to live in Toronto. So I can get this much house for a million dollars or I can get this much house for a million dollars. Sure. Why don't we move to Barrie? A hundred percent. And there's going to be a that that's a segment for sure. That is a mm -hmm. segment of people for sure. It seems I, like a lot, though. I, I've, t I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people who are in. in um, I would do it, too. Office. Listen, I would yeah. do it. If it wasn't for my kids and their roots here now, mm -hmm. they've that, got they've got these uh, you know they've got these jobs that uh, can be accessed from home. So then, the house has to be suitable for you. So you need to have the uh, work office, home pool, you need to have, uh, privacy, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm an exurb, but I won't do Not it. Yet. I'm a wannabe exurb. I've wanted to move to an island my whole life, but it just never seems to work out. That that is that an exurb? Do I live in the city? An, an ex an ex continent uh, person. Do I even count? Like I live at Young and Finch. Do I count? Is, am I in the city? Am I urban? You're 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 not urban, but you're in the city. So the uppity uptowners. So I'm not an exurb. I'm like a sub exurb. Mm -hmm. All right, I can live with that. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. So in development news, they announced, which I don't even think this is new. I'm pretty sure this is already a thing, um, that uh, Toronto looks at forcing new condo developers to dedicate 10% of residential space to affordable housing in parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, I, they... I yeah, it's called inclusionary zoning, which I'm pretty sure has been a thing already. Like, I've looked at a few deals that that was already a thing. And I know yeah. they've been talking about it, which they want to force the developer to do 10% affordable housing where they're within a certain vicinity of a TTC station, right? Um, which I imagine will have a trade-off somewhere for more density or GFA somehow. Right. More stories for adding in affordable because this will just be something that either either they make a trade off for this if they want it, because to all of a sudden have 10 percent affordable, that doesn't help a performer. Right. No, it's either they make a trade off or developers aren't going to do it. Well, they're going to. Well, they're, no, they're going to fight. Right. Which mm -hmm. is just going to stall the supply even more. Right? That's the big argument here is, is, is this actually going to hurt the industry because the goal should be to create more supply, not force less supply and, and have a certain segment to be considered affordable because the affordable is based off of like whatever metrics like uh, income mediums and um, uh, market rents and all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? 
if the market goes up, then that the, those numbers are going to go up. Then it's not going to be so affordable anymore. No, and it's never affordable. Yeah. It's never affordable. It's just cheaper than the rest of the building. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But listen, it's so easy. I mean, I'm I'm not really I'm not a genius and I'm not as good as a lot of people at this. But you give me a piece of government land and say go, I've got plans that should pass for permit within a month, okay? This building could be ready to go and have people on site within two, three months, for God's sakes. Just yeah. give some developers some sweetheart deals that people are going to be pissed off about. Give them land and say, here, knock over this piece of shit that's falling apart that we've owned for like the last 80 years and never did anything to, right? And let's build something new. And let's work out some kind of a deal where it makes sense for you to do this for me. And we're going to be really lax and push it through as long as you stay within all of the guidelines that we've spent all this time and money producing, right? Yep. Boom, here, free land for 99 yep. years. Build something on it. Let's go. This is the price points. You don't make money off. You make money off building the thing and developing it. But you don't get to make money off the future. It goes into to, to, to government stock. And boom, all of a sudden you have... 250 more units within two years, probably, if you're allowed to build modular stuff. Mm -hmm. Boom, let's go, let's do this. But no, it's got to be like, we're going to force these guys to add tech. Like, who, how do you sell a luxury building to like luxury clients where there's these affordable units in the building too? Uh oh. How many, how many politicians? Uh oh. Um, let's, let me, I'm going to word this carefully. How many politicians? have um support oh, in their no. campaigns and their uh lifestyles from large-scale developers in toronto i don't know but we got a friend on the screen that i can't get rid of oh got rid of him. beautiful sorry that was annoying i don't know if that got recorded sorry percentage sorry what was the question how many politicians have got friends no, that was you, you used the word friends. Have got uh, support from uh, either in their campaigns or their lifestyles from large scale developers. Um, none. A hundred percent of them do. <laughs> I've seen a few at some bar mitzvahs. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. You you have to understand that this is, you know, much bigger than just. Uh, you know, solving um, affordability crisis much, much, you know, there's just too many working parts in order to make these major changes that could impact people's pocketbooks. They put out a RFP, is that what it's called? Request, request for pricing. Yeah. Uh, the, the Canadian government put out for their immigration. They want, they're, they're putting out like an offer, a tender for somebody to construct a new uh, digital platform that speeds up and increases the, um, I guess, ability for the government to approve people for immigration now? Yeah. Well, why can't they do the same damn thing with development? Like, mm -hmm. kill two birds with one stone. This is not rocket science. Here's the rules. We made this book, okay? These are the rules. If you stay within it, you can do whatever you want. We have an AI system that will check the plans, and if it's within the parameters, permit, go. 
Why not? I don't That's get it. That's well, it better hurry up, man, because this is ridiculous. Four years for people to get permits in a city that's like going off a cliff with prices. You I, you say that often, like any ones that I've looked at, and I'm not the land specialist in this conversation, but any ones that I've looked at, it's always like seven, eight, nine years before things are getting approved. Well, it's listen, two or three times in that time. Developers are eternal optimists, so when we think something yeah. is supposed to take three months, generally yeah. it gets tripled. So. Yeah. But no, I mean, listen, you can. Three years is like the fastest. You can get a permit quicker. But yeah. you're going to design something that you may as well just declare bankruptcy before you start. Yeah. Right? I had a pre construction, con I've sold a few condos at um, a project at Markham and 401. It's a leased land from a church. It's called Tr Trinity Ravine uh, Towers, and they're building uh, two towers. I sold some in uh, phase one. And uh, it was supposed to be built already. <laughs> like they, sure. I looked it up. They they had applied. I think in May they were getting like an excavation permit or something, you know. But like, it's not even started. Like, sure. No, and look at look at the one bluer. Uh, that thing just like got above ground. Yeah. Like, how long have we been talking about that site for? Yeah. Exactly. Right. So it's crazy. Anything that is uh, scheduled for three to four years chances are it's going to take even longer yeah and, and so that, in that developers got really 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 good um, you know motivation to get it done faster well and and so the the developers haven't really had that motivation because they've been lucky because as everything all their costs have been going up their sale prices have been going up that much more right mm -hmm. but when things tighten up it gets really scary and we start seeing sites go out bankrupt and all of a sudden there's thousands of people that had a, a condo that don't have a condo anymore and then legal battles ensue and then like we mm -hmm. saw a lot of that in the last couple of years right yeah urban corp a lot of stuff crestford yeah liberty like a lot of stuff and a lot of units come on the market like that and we absorb all that stuff like it's it's a crazy market. I think we just have to make it like way easier, and we still like even two hundred thousand. Like you couldn't even if you actually made the permit process easier, you couldn't do it. There's not even infrastructure. That's why I want to I give a shout out to uh, Condo Wong. Condo uh, Wong, what a video, right? Yeah, he did, he does a great job with his video editing and everything else too, and. Clearly, he got a lot of information from us, but uh, obviously, you know, definitely, definitely his video was uh, much more uh, detailed uh, and, and professional. But uh, that's 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 what it is. You've got. Uh, I like how he summarized how many uh, units per um, uh, per building. Yeah. Right? So he yeah. said 100. It should be between 70 and 100 buildings per year. That's what we need. Yeah. High but rises. You know what? hundred buildings per year. Where, where are we going to get that from? No, we can't. Even if we get permits, we can't build it. But yeah. there's not enough people. And then there's not enough infrastructure to even handle that with like sewers and drains and water and electricity. Mm -hmm. we, we can't do it. Yeah. It's a exactly. big it's a big problem. So what does that mean? Prices are going to keep going up. Excerpts. <laughs> yeah, but no matter what, prices are going to go up. Excerpts are going to grow in numbers and suburbs will get bigger. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing just keeps going the, the same it's way the it's been thing. going. Yeah. You know what I got out of uh, our buddy Kondo Wong? We got to try and have him on. I should invite him. 
see what happens. But Condo Wong, the most important thing I got out of that, which I think is really important, is that there's 400,000 Canadian citizens in Hong Kong that are either returning or planning to return because of what's going on in Hong Kong or what's go even better, what's going on here with regards to the, the COVID-19, right? It's much safer yeah. here than there. So he says there's all kinds of people that are going to come back to, especially Toronto, that either are already a citizen or have houses here, but they're going to start coming back, which is going to offset the amount of people that aren't coming in from immigration. And then well, another thing that I thought of from that was that, like if Calgary and all these places out west and east are getting kind of hammered their economies, well, maybe some of them are going to start emigrating into Toronto and Ontario, yeah. right? That's what I was thinking. So like immigration may not, maybe Canadian immigration will be down considerably, but Ontario, or more importantly, Toronto may not see as significant a dip as the rest of the country. We just lost 43,000 jobs in the natural resources sector. Oh, good segue. Yes. 43,000 jobs. All out west. Where are all... No, there's some other provinces too. Like you got um, Newfoundland and stuff like that. But That doesn't you've count. Got, yeah, it's there. Okay. So you've got 43,000 people who, who need work. Where are all the jobs? We've been talking about that. And a lot of those people, out west especially, moved out there for their jobs from other sure. places, right? What type of businesses are they in or what type of businesses will they go to? Construction. Yeah. Where does all the building need to start happening, Daryl? Yes. In Toronto. Yes. Where, where are all those workers going to live? Hopefully Toronto. They're not working in Toronto and they're going to be living in Calgary. Not in construction jobs. you got to live close. No. you got to live close. It just amplifies the it just everything gets amplified like there's just no way to really catch up to it so if you have a condo right now don't sell it unless you bought something already and you're forced to sell and you got different situations but unless you were you, stupid when you bought it and you were planning on airbnb for 300 bucks a day if you're if you're paying 10 percent interest you might need to get out soon but yeah. the main thing is is you need to have um a little bit of uh you know foresight further than the next 12 months and think about it over the next 36 how much is that condo going to improve compared to what what you'd have to sell it for today which would be potentially 10 percent lower than you could have gotten two months ago if you're in one of those areas which is basically the best areas like yeah. up and down young street i said it before and i'll say it again i mean it's counterintuitive to what i do but i have the most respect for and I see the most wealth built by the people that I cold call and try and buy their land and they don't ever sell anything that they've ever bought, right? Like I still own the first little whatever and wherever that I bought 50 years ago. I don't sell anything, which is not good for you and definitely not good for me. But the reality is, is like, yeah, like hold on to everything and you'll build a lot of wealth. Yes. Get stuff that cash flows, pay off the debt. And hang on when times are tough. You will survive any tough time, right? I know, like, I'm young, and I, and I have examples of people who are over-leveraged and, and people that I know who just kept on buying and leveraging and leveraging and leveraging, and when things didn't go so well, it was just, like, collapse. Yeah, I'm one of them. So you have to... You have to always be considering what's going to happen in the downturns there will be another downturn this is this is one there will be another one in the future 
but it is cyclical and prices are going to continue to rise because this is a great city to be in and we're just never going to be able to keep up with the densification in Toronto. Like my friend Daryl here has explained, it's a logistics issue. It's partially logistics. Yeah, it's not about desire. There are people that would do their best to create all of the units that are necessary. They'd be happy to. They've been trying to develop the damn Portlands forever. <laughs> you know? Like, crazy. <laughs> that, that won't be coming online for a while. And no. that, that's literally like a second downtown Toronto. Oh, no yeah. It doesn't even solve anything. It creates more problems. It solves a huge, uh, you know, supply issue, I should say. It adds the potential for more supply. But yes. with the current, like, way of doing things... We will not see any of that supply for at least another decade. At least. At least. At least. Yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, this was a nice Sunday morning, as usual. We have a uh, special episode coming up next week. Yep. Financial expert. So we've got somebody coming in. It's a surprise. Is it a surprise? Okay, good thing I didn't remember his name. Financial financial expertise get some advice on what people are doing right now with their uh with their money yes and a fresh perspective on things which is always nice exactly not that our perspectives could ever go stale no this is like basically the only thing you want to listen to so if you haven't subscribed in fact if you're even listening to this video still yeah and you (laughs) you've been with us the last 50 minutes then how come you haven't subscribed that is a great question Right? How come you haven't subscribed? That well, is a great question. We need to talk about which is destroy the like button. Smash that like button. Destroy the like button. And make some comments. We're missing the comments. We haven't had comments for a while. Yeah. Great. All right, Daryl. I will talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Bye. New on Curiosity Stream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter New Age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.